The following is a production of PMA Magazine. Hey everyone, welcome to the PMA Podcast. My name is Matt Johnston. I'm the editor-in-chief of PMA Magazine, and this is our very first episode. I'm so glad you're here. Today's episode features an interview, which is the first interview that I did for PMA Magazine. It was published in issue number one, and in a lot of ways represents the genesis and the idea of this magazine to begin with. So let me give you a little context. In August of 2017, I went on a low-budget domestic skate park safari. I don't usually travel without my family, but I was feeling pretty boxed in by the 8-7 to straight job working life and was somewhat in crisis. I planned a solo mission hunting for skate parks along Montana's High Line, which skirts the border of Canada as America's northernmost interstate. For six short days, it was just me and the road, big skies and sunsets, urethane and concrete. I stopped in small towns like Big Sandy and Malta to skate the creations of Oregon's evergreen skate parks and Seattle's Grind Line, built in conjunction with Jeff Ament's Montana Pool Service outfit, which is one part nonprofit foundation and one part Stoke Factory. I spent a lot of time staring through the windshield on that trip, thinking about the kind of stuff you're supposed to think about on solo sojourns. But honestly, I was trying to sort out my life. After spending a lot of time parenting and providing, I'd been left feeling a bit aimless when it came to my own life. I was trying to find the secret recipe for a life that had more meaning. More time for being creative and how to spend it with family before we all got too old to do much of anything. I wanted to find a way to shut down all the voices in my head that are constantly telling me I can't do something risky, because if I do, I might fail. It was somewhere between Rudyard and Dunkirk when it all came rushing through me. Wouldn't it be fun to figure out how to justify exploring the seemingly magical things that help people get out of their own way and achieve their good-hearted goals? Wouldn't it be so rad to tell stories about the winners on the other side of the big shit heap that keeps the majority of us at arm's length from a life we can be proud of? There are magazines that show you how you can bake a beautiful cake or plant an amazing garden. But what about a magazine that helped you build a more authentic life? So driving on, I started planning my approach. The first subjects that came to mind were my friends who brought the Skate Like a Girl organization to its rightful place at the forefront of revolutionizing skate culture. I wanted to showcase their amazing success as cultural change agents who totally reinvented the Seattle skate scene. When I sat down to learn about their journey, Kristen Ebeling from Slag told me, I think it's a cool idea for a magazine. I even have this. And she lifted her sleeve to reveal the letters PMA tattooed on her wrist. I couldn't believe it. I was only just starting the journey of getting out of my own way, and already the universe was opening right up and ushering me in. Alright, so let's talk about Skate Like a Girl. They're a nonprofit, they're founded in Olympia, Washington, and then they moved to Seattle. And now, almost 20 years later, they have chapters in Portland, Oregon, and in the Bay Area in California. Their influence reaches across the country and the world, with similar skateboarding youth organizations popping up in places like Ohio, and as far away as Afghanistan, Cambodia, and South Africa. Their army of volunteers, led by a few tremendous self-made organizers who you're about to meet, teach kids of all ages to skate in after-school programs, summer camps, clinics for non-cis men, 
and free drop-in clinics for everyone at public and private skate parks. They give young adults leadership opportunities and a way to earn volunteer hours by doing something they love. But most of all, Skate Like a Girl serves as a life support system for an inclusive skateboarding community that simply did not exist 10 years ago before they started. Now, Skate Like a Girl was constructed one trick at a time by a group of dedicated women who put lucrative careers and personal relationships on hold in order to make this happen. They're inspired and driven by traumatic personal experiences as girls in a misogynist skate culture that to this day still treats women like inferior objects. Now, I asked Nancy Chang and Kristen Ebeling, who have been at the helm of this powerful organization for the last decade, to interview each other about how they helped to build something so powerful. So as a fly on the wall in this vegan burrito shop, I was inspired to the nines, and I hope you will be too. Sit back and relax, and listen to episode one of the PMA podcast. Well, I mean, I think we can give, like, our background, like, how we met each other. I think that would be a good start. Um, I don't know if you have, like, any first memories of me, or any, like, I have, like, first memories of you, you know, or, like, I mean, not, like first sight yeah. type of thing but mm-hmm. I think the first time I remember meeting Nancy was I was 17 years old and I had just flown back from visiting with my friend Alex White who I only knew through MySpace and Alex White is like a professional female skateboarder now she's a mom and whatever but I looked up to her so much watching the Villa Villa Cole videos and she added me on MySpace and told me I could come and stay with her and she lied to my parents and said that she was taking me to visit schools um but we went to skated schools and my parents assumed she was talking about colleges but um i flew back specifically on that day so i could go check out this event from this organization called skate like a girl which when i first heard the name skate like a girl i snickered and probably said some kind of like i don't know like oh that's some insert teen lingo here like (laughs) definitely was like that's stupid you know like i'm the only girl skateboarder that i know of and I remember showing up at the Redmond Skate Park, which was like my home skate park, coming off this, my first skate trip as a 17 year old, you know, about to be a senior in high school. And I remember like rolling up and just seeing so many women skateboarding, like girls ripping up the bowl. I saw Christina Naraya in the current, you know, chapter director or board chair of our Portland chapter of Skate Like a Girl, like Ollie the eighth stair, which I'd never even attempted, still haven't tried ever. Um, and I just remember showing up to this park and then I rolled around and I saw this lady with a, I think you maybe had a bolt horn or a microphone or something, but you also were running like the snow cone machine, like at the same time. And she was just seemed really funny and outgoing. And yeah, I was just like, I don't know. I just remember showing up to that event and being like, I want to be a part of this. Like sign me up. You know, I sold my soul at that point. So I think so, that was 2006. Yeah. Around 2006. that. 2006. Um, but my, I think my first impressions of Kristen was like, oh, she's like, the, she's that the only girl that skates with a bunch of dudes and she's super good. And then like, like the, the kids that, um, skated at Redmond, I always just thought of them as like Lord of the Flies. Cause they're like super entitled and kind of like, I mean, they're just kids and stuff like that, but, um, I can interact with the group. Like Jake is probably literally in his 20s now but I'd always joked him I'm he's like, like 25 yeah I'm like are you 30 yet because I would because like, he hung out with like such older skaters and stuff like that he was like 10 or 11 when I was in high school yeah exactly so so there's just like this group of skaters that would come through and skate me and they're they're not like super engaged in like being part of the 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 teen center community but um I think part of 
um, what I what I was interested in was like engaging like the skateboarders and trying to build like a community. And I think it was really, I like I always saw Kristen like, oh yeah, she's cool, but like because she hangs out with these dudes, like I don't know how willing she would be to be like involved in skate like a girl because it's like the opposite of like skating with guys unstructured. And I so I was always kind of like. I hope I don't chase her off because we need young people for the future to run this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just remember uh, like Kristen rolling up and just skating and being super hyped and being super positive. Um, earlier when we were talking about how like, you know, Thrasher was for a lot of people landlocked in Ohio, like it's good to be able to connect with that, but like at the same time, it also projected the image of what skateboarding was. And I think for me, just to do a, a large brush generalization, is like I thought I felt it was super um, homophobic, misogynistic, all about like how good you are um, and how good at you are dictates if you can um, get away with being shitty towards people. So I think like I, I was really excited to um, see Kristen be involved or see you be involved because I think like there there's always that peer pressure of not like wanting to be different from your core friends. Um, so that that's like one of my first memories, I guess, of you when you were in high school. Thinking back on like <clears throat> how I was when I was like, 15, 16, 17, and how hard I was trying to be able to hang with the guys. I think this is especially problematic for anybody that falls out of the typical norm skate rail category, which was me. I was a girl, right? But I was wearing clothes and I was doing things like trying to drink as much as the guys and smoke weed as much as them and sell drugs with them and, you know, whatever. And honestly, I see Scaling Girl as just this like huge intervention in my life where, like, you know, this sounds kooky or whatever but like I feel like I was supposed to be on this path to where I'm at right now and I think back to that pivotal moment when I was 17 when I could have like a bunch of my friends turned out to be heroin addicts do cocaine a bunch you know just go to school fuck you know drop out barely graduate high school and like when I met Scaler when I was 17 I feel like it just you know just steered me off and so I think that's like a reminding you know hearing your story of your impression of me reminds me of now I was just at Nova High School teaching a skate class and some of the teenagers when I'm like hey what's up how's it going I'm Kristen like blah blah like some of them I kind of look at me and sort of roll their eyes or they're like who's this kooky lady but I'm like I just know that for a certain percentage of you you might be just how I was and that by me being present in your life will help steer you potentially on like if I give you opportunities and at least give you that chance now I'm not here to save people but yeah you know it's like I think about that and and that's refreshing to hear your impression of me because the reason why I was hanging with those Redmond guys is because the guys at the Kirkland skate park straight up made fun of me straight to my face. These were things that young men told me. You look like J-Lo. They would constantly comment on my butt, constantly. They, uh, one time I played a game of skate against this guy and I beat him and he goes, doesn't matter because you're a girl. Literally everybody would be like headed out to go street skating and they would just completely leave me out or leave when I would like go to the bathroom or something like that. Like completely like were so cruel and mean to me. 
um, would just make fun of me constantly. And so when I found out that the Redmond skate park was close to my high school, that became my safe place to go. So the boys at Redmond, although they were problematic, yeah. they at least accepted me and they would take me street skating and film with me. And that's how I ended up getting sponsored and meeting like, I don't know, people like David Gavette who like helped me put together my first sponsor me tape. And that's what like opened up a lot of doors for me in skating. So it's like, I think about that too is like, um, I think a huge thing that like may have held me back is I think or hold anybody back is just that you might just be part of a community that as much as you want to fit in or as much as you want to be a part of it just might not be your scene and might not be your community and just because of a couple people that don't vibe with you or they're on a different wavelength or like whatever it is you might just need to seek out a new community and I see that my, in myself when I started skating I definitely shifted multiple communities and finally I found Scale Like a Girl and I was like this is my community this is what I want to actually invest in. This is where I'm going to get a return on my investment. People are going to make me, I'm going to put out energy and those people are going to put that energy back into me. And I finally felt in a safe place where I could just be who I am. I didn't have to prove anything and I have to drink more than somebody else. I didn't have, you know, and I could like experiment with how I wanted my hair to look or whatever. And nobody was going to like judge me for that. Um, you know, it wasn't like an absolutely perfect community. Like not everybody got along per perfectly, but I feel like in general, the values we're less about, oh, are you good at skating? If you're if you're good at skating, you can get a pass for being a jerk. Or or like or the other thing is if you can party so hard and be gnarly. Yeah, and, exactly. And that doesn't have anything to do with your skating ability, but yeah. just your ability to uphold this um, you know, very toxic masculine exactly. you know, skate yeah. identity. Mm -hmm. So um, we should talk about the transition between, well, I'm just experiencing and consuming my world versus like, I'm actually going to take my experience, translate it into something I'm going to teach or use to help other people. Like not everybody has that response to a negative situation. Maybe you could yeah. talk about why you're that type of person. Okay. Um, I would say like from age 12, when I started skateboarding, to like age 17 when I met Skate Like a Girl, right? I had this like five year, five years of period, period but it feels like eternity because I still remember so many of my experiences in that first five years before I became part of Skate Like a Girl's community. And I'll just give a couple examples. So like there's one time that I made a sponsor me tape um, and I worked really hard on it. It was all street footage and I was trying to get sponsored by this indoor skate park. And I turned my tape in or whatever through my friend, and actually it was David Gravett that helped me like put it all together on a VHS and everything. And um, I turned it in, and I didn't hear back, didn't hear back. And then I asked like my friends, I was like, dude, did you ever hear back from Skate Barn? Like, why didn't they like hit me back to like get sponsored? And then they're like, oh, like we hate to tell you this, but straight up they just said that you're not pretty enough. And I was like, wow, okay, like, you know, that was like when I was like 16 years old, like I. In that moment, I felt so like disempowered, so like I'm the other, I'm othered, like I'm not a part of skateboarding, I'm not supposed to be a part of it, and I definitely contemplated like quitting skateboarding, I contemplated like, you know, lots of different potential outcomes, I was like maybe this isn't for me, like I should have kept playing soccer or softball, I was really good at those sports, you know, I definitely had so many doubts, but there was just something in me that I just, I just loved the physical act of skateboarding, and so there was... Um, also, other times that I got bullied or made fun of were at, so I would just skate in my garage. And at the time, I was really sad and I would like cry and I was really depressed and didn't have any friends like to skate with or whatever. But um, I look back, and that's when I learned like a lot of my tricks was like by myself. So, in the long run, I'm definitely like thankful for that. But I would say, like, when I met Skate Like a Girl, there was a it was like a switch on a light because I realized that 
if you find the right people and if you have the right like ideas or concepts, you can manifest whatever you want. Like, I didn't fit into skateboarding. That didn't mean I had to sit here and complain or whine that I open up skate magazines and see half-naked girls instead of Alyssa Steamer all the time. Like, I didn't have to complain about that. Like, I could seriously make that shit happen and that there's other like-minded people. I don't need to be embarrassed about who I am. If, if I'm constantly conforming to the norm bro skate culture, I'm never gonna find the awesome people that I wanna be. I'm never gonna find myself. I'm never gonna find my community. So I kind of took like, I feel like, so many cues from my experience with Skate Like a Girl. That informed like political activism for me in the next couple of years. That informed um, this zine project that I make, the Skate Witches, which basically is a big like fu to like major mainstream skateboarding magazines, which don't include women at all. And if they do, it's like, wow, look at the progression, or what? It's like some weird tokenizing like backhanded compliment constantly. Um, and. Like, I want to create a zine and I want to create a community through Skate Like a Girl that's like not about how you look because guys don't get judged by how they look like in skateboarding. And, it, and I also don't want it to be about how good you are. I want to showcase like all people that are skateboarding because that's inspiring to so many different people. Like nobody, like I don't think everybody is the type of reader that only wants to see like super advanced skaters. They want to see people they can relate to. Um, and I want to write about skateboarding and I want to critique skateboarding and I want to like get people to start thinking about it and like starting to change the community. Um, and like with skateboarding, like with, or I mean with Skate Like a Girl, like I really want to create ladies nights and spaces where like female identified people can like meet up and make friends and skate and like find their community. And then maybe they don't need to come to ladies night anymore or they're going to go off and do their own thing. But um, yeah, I just think when I met Skate Like a Girl, I was like, boom, like there's people already doing it. They're already changing the culture. I want to have my impact on it too. I've had messed up experiences. I've felt excluded. I've felt ugly. I've felt like a loser. And I didn't need to feel all those things. Like that doesn't, ha that isn't analogous to skateboarding. That is an unfortunate byproduct of a homogenous, like white male dominated bro in his 20s culture that got excluded by the jocks, but is going to act like a jock to anybody that doesn't fit their norm culture of who they think can skateboard. So um, I think those experiences directly inform like how I act literally every single day of my life. So. Um, in terms of like program wise, like it started off as just workshops uh, as part of Lady Fest in Olympia in 2000. And the first workshop, I wasn't there, but the, the folklore has it that 60 people showed up and Fleur and Holly were like, I didn't know that so many people would want to show up. And, and their backstory is that they didn't actually skate it, but they, they snowboarded, but they couldn't find a community of people or lessons or you know there's no structure like that um, and then I guess from from 2000 to like 2005 2006 really Skate Like a Girl um, was about maybe holding one event which was like a skate contest um, all girl skate jam or no no but like but that's like Skate Like a Girl was really just about celebrating and showcasing girls that want to come out. Oh, yeah, and then there was like maybe a summer camp, like one summer camp or something like mm -hmm. that. So when Skate Like a Girl came to Seattle, I was like, sure, I'll help organize a, a skate contest. And I think they wanted to do a screening of um, Getting Little Cola, faster. yeah, Getting Nowhere Faster. And um, from there, it just turned into like, okay, well, we obviously can throw an event and like we can like through the city of Redmond um, I was able to run a summer camp um, in partnership maybe 
with the city of Redmond and the yeah, city of Kirkland or something like that. Kirkland too, I remember um, volunteering at that. And then, I don't know, like I think it just really evolved into different things because I think at that point I really wanted to capture like how the way Kristen was engaged was, was uh, I mean, Kristen's highly motivated and competent and just has a lot of positive energy, a lot of positive mental attitude. Uh, but I wanted to recreate that in a more structured way for people that weren't as um, I, like experienced with like leadership skills, and that sort of backfired just because like the girls that we were skating with, they they were really pretty. Uh, I don't know how would you describe like they're really good skaters, but also not ready to be leaders, you know. And I think when you're when you experience like your own personal like traumas or whatever it is, um, you just don't have that capacity to, to, to be a leader. And I think um, like I had wanted to basically create like a girls youth, youth employment skateboarding program. And then I was like, okay, well the girl community, obviously they're not into it, but there is this need because we want to grow our program. Uh, I can't remember how we got like the 12 and under stuff. I mean, like we just started running free. Oh, through Seattle Center. Yeah, through the Seattle Center. We, we did programs, but we well, expanded were all just those like, things. They were just for uh, girls and then at ATF. Or oh, at we Interspace. did interspace programs. Yeah, and stuff. it was supposed to be girls only, but then there were so many boys showing up and so many like dads and stuff that I remember Nancy and I having a conversation to be like, well, are we going to just keep doing girls only stuff or should we just do stuff for everybody? and. I think we decided that like what's not I always say this what's not radical about like a little boy learning from me yeah like imagine you know a world where little boys are like yeah I learned at skate like a girl camp and I learned how to drop in from Kristen and, and Kristen's my favorite skateboarder like that's flipping everything on its head like when I was a little kid and I was into soccer basketball baseball whatever like all my it's like you like <laughs> One thing I did once in a training was somebody was like asking anybody on the street, like name a female professional athlete. Like a lot of them will struggle. And if you ask them the same question about a male athlete, they'll be able to name you like 10 easily. Um, and so, you know, that seems really trivial, but I think that's super important because when girls don't have leaders, they don't have anything to look up to. They don't have like an opportunity in their head because so much of what how we interact all the time is so mental. We can't see ourselves somewhere if we can't envision it. Like we can't get there. Um, and some of us need a little bit more of a roadmap and an idea of that than others. Um, but I do think by showcasing like female athletes and, and, and opportunities, people will, will get there. So like, I'm proud to say like, I went out and visited a lot of our skate like a girl camps. There's so many boys in our programs. Most of our programs are like half male identified folks. Um, and a lot of them are rocking skate like a girl gear, like skate like a girl shirts or skate like a girl is written on their skateboard and they're stoked on it. And Sometimes boys aren't, and we get to have a really rad conversation about what does it mean to do something like a girl? Why does that make you say ew or gross or weird? Or why does that make you uncomfortable? Let's talk about that. You know, what perceptions do you have of me? I'm Kristen. I'm I'm a I'm a female. Like, what do you guys think of me? Do you think I'm a bad skateboarder? Do you think I'm a good skateboarder? And like, talking about that with young people is so awesome. Um, and so I think like the evolution that you were talking about, Nancy, was when we were doing girls only stuff, and so many boys and men and, and dads and everybody was showing up, teenagers male teenagers wanted to like show up and help like 15 year old boys which is like we were like what where are these 
where are these allies coming from? There's like an ally workshop, pumping them out, sending them our way. But it, it felt like it was the natural evolution of what we wanted to do. And that's why we, well, I get a lot of emails from like, skate like a girl, you have male staff. And I'm like, yeah, we do. Men are feminists too. Like, you know, men can be allies. And honestly, we have a lot of encounters, not a ton, but sometimes we have encounters at skate camp where some dudes will show up, right? And I'll have one of my male staff just go and like step to him and be like, yeah, like, we're skating here, bro. Like, you got a problem? They're like, oh, okay. Like, but that wasn't the case when we were just doing girls-only stuff. There were so many guys that would just yell at us or, like, just act super entitled. So having male allies a part of our team, like, how can we use sexism, like, to our advantage? <laughs> you know what I well, mean? Well, I think the other, like, <clears throat> the other metaphor that we use or, like, logic that we use is, like, we're, we can't, like, build separate girls-only skate parks, you know? And yeah. so how do we really... Um, integrate like the work that the vision the world that we want to live in through our programs and I think part of the evolution of, of Skate Like a Girl was that we did we did need to have like two like female queerdos that were extremely feminist and radical and like yelling at men to like create the space like we need space like we're skating you know like that yeah. confrontation that's not my personal like strategy and I think I think that's where things sort of shifted where it's like we became organized enough and we saw the work that we did making an impact and then reevaluating and saying like, well, like if the goal is to create a more inclusive space, once we get there, we can't use the strategy of being like rat, like the, you know, stereotypical, um, what, what people associate with feminists sometimes of being like man haters. Like, I don't think we're man haters. I think we're just... Uh, wanting to make sure girls have the opportunity to skate and if men want to help boys and men want to help they should help you know because yeah. yeah again we need more allies we need more allies and men can be feminists as well hey i just want to take a quick break in the action here to remind you that pma is also a beautiful print magazine available at our website www.getthatpma.com we also have some t-shirts, stickers, buttons, and some other merchandise. Uh, those sales help us keep the lights on and uh, keep this podcast going, but also help us uh, develop other things that we'd like to bring to you in the future. So we really appreciate your support. And now let's get back to the interview. You guys want to talk about, ask each other some questions about some hard times that you shared together during the, the course of the organization, some things where like, Maybe you almost quit, or you had to talk each other out of quitting, or there was a time when it was not going to happen anymore, or just like big challenges that you overcame. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we both are thinking the same thing. Um, do you want to talk about that? Um, yeah. Um, so, like, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I said, like, when I met Skate Like a Girl, all of a sudden I realized that there was like a community outside of like the norm culture. But I think with every revolution, there's a counter-revolution and a counter-revolution and a counter-revolution. At the end of the day, we're all like individuals trying to find a common bond. And I think when you're a skateboarder, it's like your common bond is skateboarding, so that's like what you're about. But if, uh, like in, in the scale of circle, it's like, well, everybody skated, but we're also committed to social justice. But it's like the word social justice like means different things to different people and how they, you know, a lot of people will talk about it, but maybe not live it, or there'll be different interpretations of, you know, mentorship and, and other things that you can do to help 
help each other. Um, and so like my experience with Scalar Girl is that one of the folks that was involved was in some ways like verbally abusive to me and would like comment on like clothing that I would wear and what I would eat. And I mentioned earlier that someone told me that I wasn't pretty enough to ride for a skateboard team. Um, and you know, so I had like an eating disorder for a really long time. So this person, um, you know, intentionally or non-intentionally, whatever, um, they definitely like intent over impact or, or, or impact over intent, you know? So it's like their intention might not have been to hurt me, but the impact was like extremely hurtful. Um, and so this person definitely made me feel really belittled. And there was at one point when they were stepping down from the organization and Nancy was still involved. And I remember being really excited by the opportunity because I was like, oh, I'm sad that this person's leaving, but they've also been kind of problematic and, and you know, it's made me really sad at times. But uh, I'm excited that they're leaving because, you know, I was like, man, I'm like next in line. So I remember like piping up and like, man, I can't wait to be like a co-director with Nancy. This would be awesome. And like they told me straight to my face, like, you're not ready to be a co-director. And I have 10 years of experience on you and I always will. And I just remember just like hearing that and just like, you know, like just shutting down. And I was like, wow. But again, it's like it was I feel like I was meant to have that experience because I know now as a mentor, like I would never fucking think of commenting on what young women that are part of Skate Like a Girl eat, how they dress. Um, I would never comment on like what their leadership skills are. I'd always like, pipe, you know, pump them up, you know, and always, always like uh, see a little bit more of their potential. I would never shut them down. Um, so anyways, that was my experience with one of the people that was involved with Skate Like a Girl and, you know, it's whatever like I think we all like learn from different things and in the end it's like I'm glad I had those experiences <laughs> Nancy always jokes that I always get like constant shitty people in my life or experiences that teach me lessons <laughs> like Nancy's like you must have been a really terrible person in a past life um <laughs> so anyways or you just have a big heart I have a great life I have a great life um but I've definitely encountered a lot of yahoos and that has informed how I act as a mentor and, and leader um but yeah. yeah, and I think that, that was that was probably my. I feel like that was like the hardest thing. Okay, so the challenge with grassroots organizations is people do it for personal reasons, um, and then they forget that like once you put something out into the world, I think it ideas belong to the world, and I think people get very. Um, There's like yeah, founders syndrome syndrome or whatever as well. But, yeah. but I think, like, I think that was the biggest challenge is to, like, navigate, like, respecting people's personal feelings, but then also, like, yeah, holding people accountable them, yeah. for what they're trying to do, their intent versus impact, and, like, yeah. and also, yeah, I think this is hard working with people in any field, not just this, yeah. but, like, when there's no actual structure or funding or, I don't know you don't even know exactly what, yeah. where you're going or what you're doing there's not a roadmap like it's yeah. really hard to be a pioneer in anything yeah no. i think that's a, a huge thing that we should definitely like highlight in like anybody that wants to be a part of changing culture whether you know being skateboarding or not like i think just if you look at yourself and like oh well, i'm not a perfect person or oh i don't really have those skills or i don't know it's like probably missing the point like you need to focus on what are the what can i provide what type of privilege do i harness whether it's by my race, my gender, my presence, my ability, whatever it is. I think if more extremely talented skateboarding guys stood up to sexism and the bullshit in the skate industry, it would change like that. In the same way that it's like, it can't just be Colin Kaepernick and Michael Bennett, you know, sitting down for the friggin' um, anthem. anthem. It's like, it needs to be, there needs to be more 
like white players like getting out there. So it's like instead of being like, oh, that's not my battle or oh, that's not my thing. It's like we need more allies and like obviously we need to be careful and not take up space and not shut down other voices. Like that's super important. Um, but I, I mean, I would love to have way more like men be involved with Scaling Girl. Like I'll just say that out loud. I would love to have way more men like standing up to like there's so many problematic guys in our local skate scene here in Seattle that are abused women that are shitty that and it's like where the allies at like you know it's like and I just I don't think like as a woman like I can get out there and like call call people out individually like I don't you know what I mean it needs to be a collective of people so like I just think in any any movement it's like there always needs to be allies because you have so much more privilege than you think and if you think it's someone else's fight then you're wrong and I think to, to that ask like to add to that is really like, um, if we were super like purists and like, I think as like progressive societies, we tend to be like, well, you don't 100% agree with me, so I'm not gonna work with you or listen to you. And I think that's yeah. super problematic too. Cause if, if we were like that, I don't think Skate Like a Girl would be yeah. as far as we are. Totally, and I think when you shut out people just because they're not perfect allies or they've messed up or, or maybe there needs to be a conversation there. I think when you shy away from those people and you shut them out, like you lose so much power, so much steam, so much energy that, you know, and these certain people with different levels of, of privilege and experience and whatever that could be a part of like what you're trying to accomplish. I think that's a huge problem. So it's like, I believe in like restorative justice, not like prison system. So in the same way in my personal life, I try not to see people that maybe repost something that's problematic or, or into a band that's like a white power band, you know what yeah. I mean? Or like things like that like trying to like have conversations with those people versus like shutting them down, making them feel stupid and othering them. Because I would also say like, maybe you haven't been a perfect ally or maybe like 10 years ago you believed X, Y, Z or whatever. Like there's always room for growth and for change and your own personal progression and keep walking that path, especially when it's scary, especially when you don't know where you're going, especially when you uh, are, are nervous or whatever, um, especially when it's uncomfortable. Like I think when you stop and you turn around, that's when you, it's just like, yeah. Why'd you even, why'd you even go that far? It's like, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to get political. Oh, I don't want to, like, it's like, no, like, <laughs> need more people. You know what I mean? Well, I think the other two things I want to talk about is, like, how um, a lot of times you can have a really good skateboarder, but they're not going to be a good um, teacher. teacher because they've been conditioned that they need to be best and they need to be show poning and, like, doing tricks and skating or whatever. And, and I think like being able to train young people to have patience and be role models and to know that when is, it's appropriate to put yourself out there versus supporting other people. Because that's what we're doing when they're um, teaching kids how to skate is they're saying like, oh, it's not my time to skate. It's somebody else's time and I'm here to support them. So I need to step back and, and give them the space and help them. Um, and I think uh, uh, the other thing I, that Scaling a girl, I felt like um, we had potential challenges where it was just being like, not like the neat, like wear your helmet, don't do drugs, don't you know, like like all these things. Like uh, organizationally, we don't want to be the nannies. Like we want people to have their own. I want people to make their yeah, own informed decision. Exactly. And then the the flip side to that is being kind of like the organization, like the cool mom, where like the mom gets a pony keg and you know hits that bong with the kids or whatever. Yeah. Like we're that party culture of what skateboarding, the expectation of what skateboarding is. And I think we're somewhere in the in between where we're we're like we're modeling yeah. like no none of the leaders of Scale Like a Girl regularly like party or like I mean Or don't post like, like glorify. Oh yeah. totally. Like we have a really strict policy 
with all of our staff and stuff. They're not to buy alcohol. Young people are not supposed to ask for anybody to buy them alcohol or anything like that. Like, I haven't, like, when I worked at the YMCA, we fired people, like, pretty regularly, like, for buying alcohol for minors. And it'd be pretty obvious to, you know, figure it out. Like, I, I've, you know, personally fired two people, I think, in my time. But with Skate Like a Girl, like, we're creating an alternative culture where it's, like, we're not necessarily telling people not to do things, but I think all of our, the leaders that we have in our organization, we're very selective as who can be part of that, like leadership crew, whether they're like lead coaches or board members or whatever, that are all modeling like really positive adult behavior, which I feel like, number one, it's one less adult buying somebody beer, you know, or weed or whatever it is. And then the second thing is like, showing young people, it's like, I don't have time to like do drugs, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have time for that shit. Like, I have so much other stuff I wanna accomplish in my life and my life is not gonna be about tapping out, it's about tapping in. So like, yeah, it's just like, you know, what do you wanna spend your time on? And I, I just don't think it's, a, if I was a teenager and somebody's like, don't do drugs, or it's like, that's not gonna change. Like I made decisions to, to lead, lead a more he- healthy, positive life because of like certain experiences and, and experimenting and also by having positive adults in my life, like Nancy, that really made me see like, dang, I can go to UW and graduate college. I can achieve, I can, you know, start a girl skate contest. I can plan girl skate tours. I can be a leader in Skate the Girl. Nancy was a huge reason why I like pushed myself. Like I worked at the YMCA for years after college and Nancy was like, well, are you gonna work, for, are you gonna make Skate the Girl happen as a job or not? And like Nancy was a huge push to like make that happen. So like, I, I don't know. I think like mentorship is super important and, and I don't think it's necessary to, tell kids what to do or not to do they yeah. hear, hear enough of that I think. well I mean I think part of like the work that we're doing or you know for people that are trying to figure out how they can be involved it's really like thinking about what is your capacity and what you want to give um, and and being clear as to your commitments because I think you know like I I'm not sure what ha- would happen if Skate Like a Girl wasn't taken over by Kristen, but I'm really happy it did because I think ultimately, like, I think I made that commitment to help Kristen when I heard one of my peers tell her that she's not qualified to be a leader of a youth organization, um, which is ridiculous. But, like, I think part of having, you know, like, a community is knowing, like, where people are at, where, what they're capable of, and and like helping to support them to do those things. But even I think with with Skate Lady Girl, like it's been organically growing for a really long time. And I think um, at this point, I feel like Kristen is is doing an amazing job being a leader, and she also still comes to me and like asks for like opinions and things. I, I sort of have this balance thing where I'm like, Kristen, you're a boss ass bitch. Don't ask me any questions because like you can figure that out yourself. <laughs> or I, I mean, you're the, you know more than I do about the organizational needs, but also part of that's kind of stupid on my behalf because I'm kind of like the whole point of having a board or folks is to like provide um, like advice and, and things like that. Should we talk about kind of, well, can I talk about how I think the bigger piece was for me to step back in a way, and I, I'm I'm still kind of interested in hearing how how you're seeing this all play out because I think for a really long time people just thought I ran Skate Like a Girl and I worked for Skate Like a Girl, which is partially true, but I also wanted to make sure like like I'm not on the hook for ending Skate Like a Girl, so I had to find other people to like continue to run Skate Like a Girl. 
Yeah, I definitely think it's super important to like let people you I definitely feel like it impa- in, informs like a lot of like my current like hiring and what I at least intend to do. And obviously, not everyone fits the shoes or whatever, but. The intention is to like hire people or bring people on board or whatever. People that are highly capable and then you let them do their job. And like, I really appreciate that, like, you know, Nancy really like modeled and showed me how to do things, but definitely number one, like allowed me to try things and fail at times and get back up and everything. And also not like micromanage me or make me do unnecessary work to like report or like, you know, show Nancy I was doing a job. Nancy just showed up to see me doing a good job. And I think that was like, that was really important. I definitely had different bosses that make me check in with them like once a week and like go over every little nitpicky thing that I did. And if I do one thing slightly wrong, then it's the end of the world. And there's lots of like power dynamics and power tripping. And I always, I always felt like Nancy was like really trying to always give me credit and always pump me up. Almost the opposite of my experience before where somebody told me I didn't have the leadership skills and that I was eating the wrong things and how I dressed was bad or whatever, you know, like Nancy was the exact opposite, like always pumping me with like lots of positive, um, feedback and really like you know making me feel really special and and i think that's super duper important and i think a lot of leaders are like well i'm the leader i need to like be getting all the credit and i need to you know i've worked for bosses where i did something and like they took the credit for it that never feels good and i think if you're the leader of an organization i i definitely embody this now as like the executive director that like i don't ever power trip on people like i let other people take leadership like Obviously, at the end of the day, like, I am kind of, like, steering this ship, but there's so many people that are integral to, like, making it go forward. So I try really hard not to, like, I try to always give credit where credit's due, always, like, empower other people to, like, lead things and, and make it so it's not just about me, like, you know, check me out, like, I'm leading this. Like, I never want to take all the credit for it. I always want to be passing off opportunities, giving other people opportunities for leadership, because that's what makes people feel empowered and feel a part of something. Like, I don't know. That was this, my experience working with Nancy is, like, Nancy always like, you know, helped me as as much as needed, but not over the top, and definitely let me yeah. do my thing. And I think that's, that's... good because I think I, I do struggle with being like, well, I know how I would do things, but like at the end of the day, it's not my job, and I'm not going to tell you how to do it. But then I feel like I don't want to make you feel like I'm not wanting to help at all. But just you know, like trying to have a smooth like transition of power. I mean, I make that joke of, uh, um, I've been stepping backwards really slow for the last 10 years now, or like, Mm -hmm. um, I I feel like I can fully get hit by a bus and Kristen, Scaly Girl's still gonna exist. I think to the point where if I got hit by a bus, Scaly Girl would be okay. I actually can say that now. Yeah. This organization that's gone through different evolutions and and has expanded and um, like even like the Portland and San Francisco chapters they were all volunteer started and like we weren't sure like what was what that was going to look like once we became a nonprofit and like figuring out the leadership down there because I think um, there's something super special about like me and Kristen's working relationship because we get each other and we're on the same page and we also like just are I think I'm financially, for, I mean, when I, for the, the my, I guess, core activity with Skate Like a Girl, I, I was employed doing the same type of, similar type of work. But I think in Portland and, and San Francisco, there weren't, 
there wasn't that level of expertise or like financial stability for people that were poor organizers. And it's like, which is like insanely crucial for anybody trying to take a grassroots organization and create employed opportunities or at least do regular activities. Like you have to have some type of financial. I mean, when I first started a scaling girl with my AmeriCorps position, I moved back in with my parents. I quit my job and broke up with my boyfriend and moved in with my parents in a week. So I was like, I'm just going to do scaling girl. Yeah, you have to have some sort of like commitment if you want to run an organization. But like, I think for Portland, San Francisco, and for like like Seattle during those times, it's like, well, I'm a volunteer. I'm gonna, you know, it's like whatever we're, whatever my time frame is, we're gonna do that. But but for a long time, we had this thing where we was like, okay, as long as we don't take money, we don't have to worry about getting insurance or doing those things. But once you start like advertising and taking people's money, you have to like have these structures down. So. Like for Portland, San Francisco, it wasn't, I don't, I didn't feel super comfortable with um, what, of just being like, okay, do whatever you want, because I think organizationally we have a responsibility to do due diligence and to make sure we have safe programs and make sure that the quality is consistent. So I think it's been interesting. I mean, I think it's important that volunteers, people that are like, I see a need and I'm not waiting for like Thrasher or the government or schools or like whatever to start girl skateboard programs. Like I'm going to do, I'm going to do it because I can and I have time. But then once you get organized and you incorporate and you like have all these other things that you're, you you know, you have to do compliance and you got to make sure people that are in your programs are safe. That's like a different, yeah, that's a different level of like expertise and organization. And that's where, you know, like if people have those skills in kind of like uh, HR, law, or like insurance and things like that, they, they can plug in organizationally to be like um, as an advisor or, you know, help look over like an employee manual. But I, I think like anybody can get up and start something. Um, it, but if you want to be consistent and if you want to have like, you want to be sustainable at all. You gotta, and I, and I didn't mean to say it. like, well, anybody can do this as like a like a flippant way or anything. It's like I think anybody should do, you know, get things started, but also think about like, well, once you leave that, like, are you okay with the impact going away, or how are you going to ensure that that work continues? Because I think you know some people are good at starting things and some people are good at maintaining things and some people are really good at ending things. Like if you, if you look back on all the things we just talked about and how this experience has made you different and better as a person, yeah. like how, how are you going to build on all that experience and how do you, like it could even be just a fantasy about like mm-hmm. the ideal scenario is that I take all this learning and I turn it into this next thing, like what's your dream, what's your yeah. vision for the next 10 years of your life? Uh, yeah, so my goal is to continue in my journey in like the nonprofit sector. I know that I'm smart. I know that I can make $100,000 a year, but I also know that I'm perfectly fine buying my clothes from the store and never owning a home. Um, I feel like I have a relatively comfortable life and what I've, I want to continue to live what I value and value what I live every day. And I, it's not that making money is bad. I'm not trying to like glorify my like life or anything like in any way but for me like I, I just feel like I do have a lot of pressures like when are you gonna have a kid like when are you when are you gonna do this when are you gonna do that and 
my dad told me when I was 16 that nobody would ever marry me if I like wore flannel every day and I had gashes on my shins and I'm married now and like nobody told me that there would be a job for me at Skate Like a Girl when I was you know 27 28 years old and I proved that wrong so I want I want to continue to challenge myself I might not be at Skate Like a Girl in 10 years that's not necessarily like the my my uh, be all and end all like I want to get to a point I think I'm at a point right now where I could leave Skate Like a Girl and it would still go on and do awesome work and amazing things might change but it would still exist wasn't the case five years ago so I'm really proud of that um, as far as like Skate Like a Girl goes like I really want to formulate our curriculum models and make our skateboarding experience across the board I really want to whether it's through video or like a booklet like create like what is Skate Like a Girl program and why is it different than if you go to like Woodward Camp or some other camp where you're just learning to skate and, and why is that different? And really document like what are the like lessons we can work with young people on, whether it's like STEM curriculum or social justice or art curriculum. Like how can we like utilize skateboarding in different ways? Because I think it's so untapped and skateboarding is about to be an Olympic sport in 2020. There's gonna be so many more kids flooding into skateboarding. And that means there's gonna be a lot of kids that are looking for more than just can I be the best athlete? But they're gonna look for opportunities to like have a life impacting experience. And I had a life impacting experience through skateboarding and that wasn't even, it wasn't because it was already set up for me. So I know I know that those life impacts exist through skating. So I wanna to continue to find ways to like um, challenge skate culture and also like be a part of the cultural shift. Um, do you think your next thing would be if you're gonna continue down a nonprofit so mm -hmm. path, do you think it'll like we go for something? drastically different or do you think you just increase the scope and try to reach more people or different types of people? Um, Animals? Yeah, I don't know. Like there, there's one other NGO that I'd be like super psyched to work for, which would be like Skatistan. I think that would be really cool. I would love to continue to work within skateboarding. Um, okay, stay within skateboarding. Yeah, I think I think I would stay within skateboarding, but I don't know. I'm also pretty passionate about music and I'm pretty passionate about like the environment and like Cool. Yeah, I like yeah. to box. I like to do lots of activities. I like to try shit. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, my, I guess, with the next ten years, help Kristen do whatever she wants. Um, make. I mean, I think ultimately, um, help to provide support so we can um, adequately uh, compensate people for be, for working for Skate Like a Girl. Um, on my own, and uh, I. Three years ago, I left my super stable um, city job and I uh, took on this other nonprofit called Real Girls, which is amazing. It's basically like Skate Like a Girl, but um, supporting young people to explore, critique, and author media through a feminist lens, through basically being critical of the media and also making their own um, content. And that's the work I guess I'm doing for now. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap. I want to thank Kristen Ebeling and Nancy Chang for taking the time to share their journey with us. And I want to thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to our very first podcast. You can learn more about PMA, our magazine, and our mission at www.getthatpma.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the PMA Podcast. Toodaloo.